welcome to the Behind the Bra podcast brought to you by Barbell Shrews, where we believe in rad breast health care for all and strive to improve the quality of life post-diagnosis. I'm your host, Zayana Hansen, and the founder of this incredible organization. Thank you for joining us. Today, we are hosting kind of like a 2.0 version of the Behind the Brawl podcast called The Good Series. Uh, we wanted to give an opportunity for women to have a second chance to come back after sharing their story and talk about some good things that breast cancer brought to them in their life. So today we are joined by Wendy Nelson. She shared her story with us on episode 20. So if you are intrigued once you hear about all her good topics about learning more about Wendy and her diagnosis and more details to that time of her breast cancer diagnosis. She is on episode 20. So please go back and listen to that. And what we will do is introduce her into the show now. So hi, Wendy. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. It feels good <laughs> to be the first of a 2.0. <laughs> yes, this is our first episode. So please bear with us. Uh, we kind of just came came off, came up with this subject on the fly of, you know, continuing to have good conversations, positive conversations, a positive mindset, positive outlook on something that is so out of our controls, out of our control, like breast cancer. So um, I want to start this show. I know that I start all my my Behind the Bra podcast as, you know, asking that question of who you are. Wendy, you've already answered that. So we have a great episode about who you are and more of the details of your diagnosis. But if you could just give us a really quick recap on if you could do like a Cliff's Note version of your episode, just so our listeners today, if they haven't heard it, they kind of know your background before we dig into your deep, dark, good secrets. Sure. I would be happy to. <laughs> um, my name is Wendy Nielsen. I'm uh, uh, 42 now. I was diagnosed with DCIS when I was 40. Um, that was in uh, September of 2018. Um, I went through a double mastectomy. So I dodged chemo and radiation that way. And um, one of the reasons why I decided to do that is because my mother also had um, breast cancer back in 2005 is her diagnosis. Turns out our cancers were not um, connected after doing genetic testing, but that was still my reasoning for doing the uh, main reason for doing the double mastectomy. I've been doing CrossFit since 2013. I'm a registered dietitian. I'm a photographer. And um, I guess the uh, the other thing that you can probably tell from me is I live in the Midwest. <laughs> Which she didn't, realize, she didn't realize how heavy her accent was until she listened to her own podcast. We just kind of yeah, I see podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Um, I notice it very, very easily. And it makes me wonder, do I have a California accent? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's totally cool, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for that recap. Um, again, go check her out, episode 20. Uh, she's got a really, really great, actually a, a great story on your diagnosis because she works in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> so she has easy access, unlike mm -hmm. some of us. So, um, so please go check it out. For today, I wanted to really just start that conversation of 
you know, I know we talk about in your first episode, what did your life look like before breast cancer? Um, now we're going to kind of talk about what does it look like now? And what do you feel like you've benefited from it? You know, what, where are you seeing the good in life where maybe you didn't have it or maybe you didn't even see this as something good in your life? Uh, because I do think that breast cancer brings a new pair of lens to your life. <laughs> like yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. fresh, fresh look at life. So yeah. is there anything in like particular that's happened that we can really dive into? Um, I think there it, it took a while, as you could imagine, of being able to kind of come out of the the dust that was all, you know, the diagnosis and surgery and then another surgery. And it took a long time to come out of that. I was really in survival mode through all of the original diagnosis and then both surgeries. And I kept thinking, you know, I got this. I'm not really going to be affected by it. It's just going to be a blip on the radar and I'm going to go live my life and I'm going to be healthy. And, you know, I'm going to kind of even forget that this ever even happened, which is really funny to think about now because probably six or seven months after um, my diagnosis, reality kind of hit and um, I went through some really bad anxiety and depression. I already had um, a diagnosis of anxiety that I was working with, but it took um, quite a bit of toll on me. But I think once starting to work through that with um, therapy and then definitely working out again and being able to move again helped a lot, um, I started to become um, see some cha- positive changes in my mental health as long as my physical health. And I think that is um, where a lot of the thought processes shifted into what what I was able to think of as as good things that I could, you know, since I survived this, what um, the good that came out of it. I would say... One big thing was um, I became closer with my family. Um, I think, you know, as a 40-year-old, you're kind of coasting along doing your own thing. And um, just seeing them more and and, and having them, um, you know, be supportive through my um, surgeries and stuff, that was really nice. I mean, with the, the coronavirus stuff, it's, you know, everything's all... <laughs> text messaging and and yeah. uh sent sending uh um emails and things like that but i think that's um was one positive thing that came out of all of this for me so so talking t- tapping into that mental uh health mm-hmm. uh, topic because number one i think it's a topic that a lot of us are scared to talk about yeah and honestly i i also think that it's a topic that we don't really realize when we are in a crisis in our mental health. Uh, We don't really know how to identify it. I think it's a really, really hard thing to identify when you're mentally struggling with your, you know, when you're struggling with your mental health. I think we can, um, our overall health and well-being. we can, there's certain things that we can test, you know, if we have high blood pressure or if our heart rates are high and there's certain things from a health perspective we know, oh, we've got to get exercise and diet under control. When it comes to your mental health, I don't feel like there's like 
a test. I can maybe no. be like, hey, I need some mental <laughs> mental therapy right now. And so what so I want to kind of talk about that because mm-hmm. that to me sounds like the fundamental foundation for you figuring out number one, what was going good was this yes. mental shift. So I'm did you do therapy before cancer? I did intermittently. I mean, there was um a lot of um, work-related anxiety um, issues that I had. So I had seen therapists before for that. And, um, you know, just checking in every once in a while. And, you know, once you get hooked into the, you know, if you get the diagnosis and you're on medication every single time you see, I would see my nurse practitioner for anything, you have to do the five questions for anxiety. And I think there's 10 questions for depression, the screens, I can't remember what the, what they're called, but so there's always, that is your check-in, I guess I'd say, um, you know, when you're, you have to sit there and answer them honestly. Um, and that's where I would assess, you know, Oh, I am, I have been feeling really down lately or whatever, when you'd have to answer those questions. Um, but I, I started back up, um, after my diagnosis, whenever, when I just couldn't shake the sad feeling that I was having. And I was, um, trying to talk to my friends and talking to my husband and talking to my mom about it. And they finally encouraged me to try to, um, more regularly see my therapist. And I talked about that in my episode where I, my husband's a radiation therapist. So I had said that I felt like a patient, you know, that I was a patient to him. And he's, you know, and my therapist said, Oh, have you asked him that? (laughs) And then he said, no, I've never thought that once. So yeah, therapy. Yay. Yay. Yay for therapy. (laughs) Thank you. therapist. Yes. I've done therapy um, very minimally in my life. I've, I've only done a few sessions of therapy and it's so funny just talking about it because my, my excuse, n- number one, I know I need it. <laughs> I'll just start there. I need some therapy. Um, but my, my excuse is time. Yes. I, I just don't have the time. And, uh, it, it because this is, I felt when I would go, it would take about two hours out of my day. You know, yeah. you go, you kind of, you got to drive there. You got to mentally get prepared. Then you got to spend an hour and then they're not solving your problem right away. Right. Yeah. Or they're not, they're not giving you solutions right away. They have to get to know you that they have to understand what's happening. So it's this long process and, and it takes a lot of work. And so for me, I felt really guilty of, wow, my time should be, I should be spending my time doing this and that. And you don't realize that how, how important that time is for healing or, you know, if you've been through trauma, um, I just remember my therapist didn't ask me any questions. There was no five question, 10 question (laughs) questionnaire, but she, her first question, which I'll, I'll still remember to this day is, um, she said, do you feel like you're, you're at the verge of crying at any given time? Mm. And I was like, yeah, like everything is making me cry. Um, and, and this was even before my sister had passed away. So I think even the trauma of her diagnosis and being in treatment with her and, um, and the, and still this guilt and shame I felt with the work I was doing, but not really being able to be there for her hundred mm-hmm. percent. And I was there for other women and not her and having to like really balance that impacted me so much. And I had so much anxiety over it. Yeah. And I just so much realize before it. you even realize it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize it. And my, and, and honestly, and I'll be very 
honest here where, where I was really struggling was in my marriage. Mm. And I was struggling because I don't think that my husband took her diagnosis as, as real. Like I knew what state, I knew what the stage four meant. I knew there was a timeline I had with my sister Yeah, and he would get frustrated that like, why do you have to, cause you know, it would be 45 minutes in traffic. Why do you have to go out there and give her dinner? Like, isn't your sister closer? And so I was struggling with this, you know, um, not only with the work I was doing, but I was like, gosh, can't my husband just be like, yeah, babe, go get her, go get her food, go mm-hmm. do whatever you need to do. Like, we don't know how much longer she has. And, um, and so I was more struggling with my marriage and how do I get him on board with supporting me, supporting my sister kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny what comes out of these little sessions, but yeah, but I didn't have a questionnaire. So, uh, so I, I do think that the topic of mental health and therapy is so important and it is true self-care. It, it, it will open your mind up to really what's happening and, and the, Number one, figuring out what's good, yes, and figuring out where you need to put some work in, yes. Person. Yeah, so the what, whole what happens? Behavioral therapy yes. kind of thing is real. <laughs> yeah, so you go back in. Was therapy different after treatment? Well, I really wanted it to be, but it wasn't. Um, there are. It's very hard to find. And if it for me anyways, it was very hard to find a therapist that would special that would was a specialist in dealing with someone who had been through cancer. Um, I really, you know, a lot of outlets that I tried to go through, they would say that would be encompassed in what this person covers. But I, I really liked my therapist, but she didn't really help me that much in that. I mean, that was really the only lane I wanted to stay in because that was my life. That was where I was. Mm -hmm. It was all I thought about all day long. And so trying to talk about, you know, other things, other things came up, you know, relationships with people in at work or, you know, things with my husband and things like that, that we talked about. It just really wasn't getting to the crux of why I needed her. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and she ended up having, um, she went on maternity leave, so I just didn't go back. But, um, and I have felt better. Like when we, when we stopped before her maternity leave, I was in a better place, but um, it's, I, I wish there were more therapists available that would deal with cancer related depression and cancer-related anxiety. And maybe there are in other areas and just not where I'm at, but I couldn't find what I was looking for, really. Oh, don't tell me something's missing. I'm going to go now and <laughs> out over finding cancer-related therapists. Yeah, I mean, I guess... I, I, you know, that when we, when I would bring that up, she would say, have you found a support group? Well, I went to one and I didn't feel like I fit in there. So I didn't go back there. And then I think that's, um, when I got more involved with barbells for boobs, because that's on the, on your, on the Facebook page. Yeah. It was like, Oh, these are my people. This is a smaller group. (laughs) Can you hear that? Is that my phone? Hold on. Podcast. I'm connected to my husband's computer. And if that's his phone, hold on. I'm going to fix this. This is live, people. This is totally 
Adapting and overcoming. It's not art. Yes. Oh, you know what? My husband is fired. Um, <laughs> Slash sound engineer. <laughs> My sound engineer. <laughs> OMG. Hold on. I'm going to text him right now and tell him you just ruined the podcast. Um, <laughs> Your phone is ringing <laughs> <laughs> through your computer. So hopefully he has his phone on him. Okay. But so, okay, going back to the support group. So she was asking you about a support group and that's when you found you had at least barbells for boobs. But I still don't think that a support group is the answer for those deep rooted things that you need to kind of work through. Right. right? I mean, am I crazy to think that? No, I don't think so at all. And I like in my head, I thought I should be pretty black and white basic for her to work with. Right. I have this one thing that's really weighing on me and it just it just turned into all sorts of other things. Like I don't really need to talk about my childhood right now. Yeah, they like they like to go deep. Yeah, and I'm like, no, it had, to, ha- it had to have happened when you were separate right. for sure. <laughs> for sure, <laughs> for sure. Let's talk about that. And then oh, you're like, no, it happened yesterday. <laughs> no, I actually know exactly the date. <laughs> I'm I know the time. Why? I know where I was at. <laughs> uh, I know. I'm like, I thought I was a slam dunk. <laughs> nope. No. Nope. Nope. Well, I think that that's I th- honestly a great thing for us all to start discussing is what is the deep rooted stuff that happens through treatment and cancer? What are those things? What is the crap, right? What is the yeah. crap that brings you down? What is the crap that makes you feel um, like you can't get out of bed or you are less than what you are? You know, what, what is it about the treatment side that gets you there? Yeah. You know, is it the change in the body? Is it the change in the body image? Is it the energy levels? Is it the fear of recurrence? Is it, you know, that um, imposer vibe that you yeah. had of, yeah. I didn't have it as bad as so many women. Yeah. I, I can't even claim breast cancer kind of thing. So do you mind sharing with us what your, what your crap was? No, um, I, I the the frustrating thing for me is that I couldn't ever name it. I couldn't I couldn't find words to explain why I felt the way I did. And that's my husband I remember sitting on the couch one day just crying and um he he said he felt helpless but I like I couldn't even verbalize why I was so distraught. And I I think um, it was like, yes, I fear reoccurrence. Yes. I, you know, am not super happy with the way everything looks now, but uh, am I alive? Heck yeah. Like, so that's, what's more important than, than anything else. So it just, it's just this underlying low buzz of anxiety and depression that was there. And, you know, I would go and work out and that was my, 
favorite thing because that's that one hour that I wasn't, you know, maybe 45 minutes of that hour, if I'm being honest, where I wasn't <laughs> thinking about it. But um, I don't really can, I can never, I've never been able to really put my finger on exactly why I was so depressed. It sounds like it was just the combination of it all. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's exactly what I, I'm like, I picture it as this like little duffel bag with everything just yeah. stuffed in it and zipped closed. And I was just and like, yep, there's my stuff. Yeah. But you don't know what's in there and yeah. or do you know how to yeah. access the bag? I don't know what to do with it. It's there. <laughs> doesn't open. There's a lock on it. Yeah. Someone has a secret message, a secret code to it. Yeah. Um, I feel, you know, I, I feel like that's a, that's probably normal. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a trained psychologist. I would guess. I just get to work with you incredible women so much (laughs) that there is this consistency in the stories and in the fears and in the anxieties. And the one commonality that our community has is, moving makes me feel better. Yes. If I honestly, if I didn't have my gym, I have no, I would not have handled it. I mean, there's no way. That's a very bold statement. That's amazing. And and that just tells you this, the, the power of not just CrossFit, right? Yeah. But at the power of the concept of this community and really us having this relatability on, on almost a mindset and a way of thinking and the way we approach something, how, how much we're willing to work, how much, like all these collective things that kind of represent CrossFit and having that, having to be surrounded by that when you are in the middle of something that you have absolutely no control over. Yeah. And having that outlet to say, Hey, they're going to, um, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to share this, but I'm going to, I'm gonna, <laughs> cause it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> we talked about it in one of our meetings, but mm-hmm. I'm going to share it because the world needs to hear this is the women in our community are unstoppable. Yes. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but that feeling of you can't tell me what I can and can't do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do this because I know I can and I know I will get my pull-ups back and I know I will be snatching again and I know I will be able to hit this workout and do my push-ups and go back to being better than I, I was before. Do, do you feel like that's what made you sane in a sense of being around them was like a reminder every single day of what you had to look forward to? Yes. I, I I would use the people that I normally would work out with as a, yeah, I'm going to get back to that. They were good role models for me because they never, I, I never once during my, um, after my diagnosis did the why me or, you know, I never felt that sense because it's like, why not me? You know, I'm nobody special. <laughs> like, why? Why couldn't I get diagnosed? But they, uh, they just kept treating me like the me before my breast cancer diagnosis. So I think that was another reason why it was just like they knew what I was capable of, and 
you know, if I was, you know, snatching half of what they were, not even half or whatever, they didn't care. You know, my, the, the girls I work out with, they're just like, what do you want? You know, what do you want on the bar? Like no big deal if they have to strip weight or whatever. And I think it was just, it, that helped me so much just knowing that I, I can be around them. I can slowly build back up, get to where I was. They're not going to skip a beat they're still going to be there. They weren't afraid to be around me or anything like that. Um, so they just, I felt normal mm-hmm. in my gym. You know, even if I couldn't, there were things I couldn't do or that I would get a little bummed about, but I still felt more normal there because they're, so that was my, the environment that I'm most comfortable in. Yeah, I was going to say they probably just treated you like you were you. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Not yeah. a cancer patient. And, yep. you know, I think that there's a time and a place for all of that. Of course, when you go to your oncologist, hey, I'm the yeah. cancer patient. Or <laughs> give me like, the info. <laughs> yeah, and being at work, being around medical people all day, you know, there'd be residents that would rotate on that had known, you know, what happened and I hadn't seen for nine months or a year. And they'd come up to me in the middle of rounds, like, oh, how are you? And like you know, I which was which was nice, but I was like, I really didn't want to be reminded of this right now. I'm not, I'm not a cancer patient right now. I, know, right now. I get to I risk when I'm a cancer around. patient, okay? And it's not right now. Yeah, you need to come back at you know at 8 a.m. I'm a cancer patient. Call me then. Yeah, <laughs> when I'm not in my job setting, I'm not a cancer patient. Can you uh, maybe text me and I can answer it later? <laughs> It's almost like you're pregnant. Like, yes. you know, it's like people just feel yeah, like, oh, I can talk about it, whatever. I can touch your belly. Yes. It's like, no, there's a privacy. There's a box here. <laughs> Get out of my box. <laughs> oh. So what's what's really come out good on the other side of, of – and I hate to say the other side because the side isn't – I mean, I think that there's layers yes. to – you know, that like you, like you'd said that you'll get married three times in your life. (laughs) She says this in the last uh, podcast that you get married three times in your life. Sometimes it's to the same person and she's in her second marriage with her same husband. (laughs) Um, I think that almost like you get like multiple diagnoses after your diagnosis. Um, I think it's that same concept. Again, I believe this is my own belief system. Nobody, this is not science (laughs) that you're, you you have once you get a diagnosis you have that diagnosis for the rest of your life I believe it in a place of you have the side effects you have the scars you have the trauma you have all these things that it's it is a part of you you know it's it's something that happened to you and you will have to work with it within your own self for the rest of your life um, and the same thing when you're married <laughs> you have to figure this out yep till death do you part so I think it's a great <laughs> demonstration of what I'm trying to get across here is you have different times and different layers of your diagnosis. So if you were to say, and again, you're, you're almost kind of like freshly out of diagnosis. Yeah. Um, you're in, you know, you're in like the honeymoon phase of your yeah, marriage. Yeah, I know. I'm, it's been like 19 months or something. And I'm like, yes. why do I, is it, when, yeah, when do I feel like, oh, that. <laughs> oh, that thing. Oh, gosh, that's ancient. Um, <laughs> but you don't. Like, we have women, and, and I'll share this with you. We have a woman in our community, and she, two Octobers ago, she was hitting her 10-year 
Uh-huh. And she said that it was – she had the most anxiety. She had never – you know, it, it was all this like fear that happened at 10 years. And she's like, you know, you think that you'd be done with this stuff and you're not. And yeah. it, it haunts you and it comes and goes in times that you don't even realize that it's going to hit you. It just kind of hits you. Um, and again, I think because the world turns pink in October – that there, it becomes a trigger for a lot yeah. of women in our community yes. of that reminder of that trauma and the world. And I'm not mad at the world. The world wants to celebrate, you know, women that have survived this and gone through it. But there is this part in October that's hard for our community. Yes. Um, and I think be, yeah, because my surgery was in October, it's going to oh, be yeah. forever that way in my head too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, it's hard. part of grief. It's part of trauma. You know, there's this... PTSD for, mm-hmm. you know, form of PTSD that I think that we all go through when you go through a big major event like cancer. Yeah. Big life changing event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's the one thing that I can say, and the one, because I am truly a student of breast cancer, the one thing that I've learned the most is I realized immediately that it was a trauma induced disease because there's even words that are inappropriate to say because it's their trigger words. And the minute I learned some of these words, I was like, wow, this sucks. Like this is, I think that we do a great job in, you know, putting our smile on and wrapping it with a pink ribbon and doing all we can to keep it positive and light because we're talking about women. And I think it's hard to talk about women and hard things, you know, like we want to make it all pretty and pink and women are strong and we can get through anything, but it's really devastating when you pull the curtain back on breast cancer. Um, what really is happening to women is devastating. Yeah. And I don't think that we're talking about that def- devastation enough. No. I don't think that we're talking about the wounds and the trauma because we're too worried about covering it up. Yes. And making it pretty and pink. And that's fine. You know, I get it. We we want it to be, we want to bring this awareness and it's easy to put a, wrap it in pink and this pink gift of, hey, let's talk about breast cancer because we should know about it. So there's this, that, there's that positive part to it. Mm-hmm. But I think that we have to talk more about the trauma. Yeah. That's associated. Yeah. It, 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 as soon as we start doing that, I think um, it, things would change dramatically for a lot of women and men who are diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the support systems that women mm-hmm. have, yes. you know, and the, the husbands. So let's, let's dig into getting closer with your family. Mm-hmm. What changed with that? Um, I think just, uh, uh, yeah, we just are in communication more. I guess that's the, the main thing. Um, Do you think that was just lost? Because is it just something? And I get curious about this because I was uh, separated from my parents at a pretty young age. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I was separated from my mom when I was eight years old. And so, um, and with my dad, I was 15. So I've been on my own since I was 15. But what I find is like, even with my husband, so my husband's parents are still together, Mm -hmm. which is amazing, right? And when I first started dating him, I'm like, 
why don't you like call your like call your mom every day or like <laughs> once a week or no like it was like no we just go to my parents house for like mother's day i was like you're holiday pa- you you're a holiday family yeah and he's like what does that mean i'm like dude if i had parents i would probably call them all the time you know like the grass you don't know what you have until it's gone kind yeah. of thing and i'm looking at it from this perspective of you have two great parents that stayed with you through your whole life and made sure you were okay. And like, man, that's awesome. You should talk to them more, right? And he's like, no, why would I do that? And I'm like, like I'm good. That's your family. Because <laughs> you should. That's, I would. You know, my parents are all messed up. And, you know, I, I actually t- talked to my dad this morning. I'm actually close with my parents now, but um, I'm super grateful for that. But, you know, I didn't understand it 10 years ago when I met my yeah. husband. I'm like, you only talk to them for Mother's Day. That's when you call your mom. That sucks. Yep, I'm still alive. <laughs> but now I'm a part of the family. We talk all the time. I'm like, yeah. yep. <laughs> hmm. So do you have, why does that happen? And I'm only asking out of, I guess, complete naiveness because I kind of come from a broken home. So yeah. Um, in a family that's that's normal <laughs> as normal as I think like that's what I thought see I always thought like oh if you your parents are still together you guys are normal and then when I'm actually you know I'm, I'm married into a, a normal family I'm like you guys are normal <laughs> yeah we're from normal and family really no are two things that grow together <laughs> there's no normal we're all messed up <laughs> Yeah, I think like the main thing is we just communicate more and it's more just, you know, surface kind of light, funny things, but it's, um, that's been fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. You're closer. Yes. I mean, I think that it's teaching you how to care for each other. That's probably the right way to say it. Yeah. You don't realize it until you really get that news where, wow, somebody I love is sick or, you know, I, I think that we all can easily go to the negative yes. when we hear words like cancer and think the worst. Yeah. And, um, and I think that that, that's just normal. So far, especially your mom being a breast cancer survivor of, um, now having to, I think, stand up and now be there for you and having that reverse role of her taking care of you. I think, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's beautiful that that's something yeah. that came out of she, She's the one that it. texts me every month on the fourth uh, of every month and says, you know, another month, Jeff, happy Aww. 19 month anniversary. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I totally forgot. Thank you. <laughs> it's something you don't want to have a, bo- a special bond with your mom, yeah, you know? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> something where you're like, yeah, what are your parents at? What do you and your mom have in common? Oh, we both have had breast cancer. Awesome. <laughs> Like that's just not something that that's not something I want to check off, you know. (laughs) Anything else? I mean, your family getting closer? Did you and your husband get closer? Did it change the dynamic? Yeah, I mean, we've always been really close, so I think it brought us closer together. It it, it's um, he just emailed me yesterday. We were chatting back and forth. when we were at work um, and he said something about, I'm so proud of you for how, how strong you are. You're like, or you're, you know, it's called me his, his badass wife or whatever. And I was like, that's so cute. But I can tell there are times where he, you know, it, he is reminded, you know, everything that I went through that we went through. Um, and it's kind of cool to be seen that way. 
I love that your husband. I love that your husband emailed you first of all. (laughs) We email, we text. (laughs) Our gift game is strong. (laughs) You're like that started happening when he was my second husband. (laughs) Yep, we started communicating via email when we were my with my first husband. Just text message and phone calls. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely that, those were phone call days. <laughs> now we just email each other. Yeah. What will happen in the third marriage? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Writing letters. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's been cool. That's amazing. And do you feel like? When it comes to, so now, you know, we've covered the mental health piece of kind of being able to come out of that. Again, I feel like you're still in this honeymoon phase of Mm -hmm. after your diagnosis. And then, you know, once you get some clarity on that mental front, and I think that it translates to your your body, right? So now we go in and, and, okay, let, let me get my mind right. Let me get some clarity on my mind, creating those really strong connections that you need in your life, which your family and building that and getting, spending some, that just takes time. Right. I mean, yes. I think that that's another reason why people don't stay connected is, I mean, it's the reason I don't go to therapy because it's time. Right. Yes. So being mindful of where you're spending your time. I want to kind of talk through that because I think that that's one of the pieces that changes for women. Yeah. It changes after a cancer diagnosis of where are you investing your time where you weren't before? Oh yeah. That was, that's another good thing that's happened for me. Definitely. Um, you know, there used to be barely a couple of hours a week that my husband and I would be able to just chill out on a weekend together. Cause we were always, working so much or, you know, filling every single hour of the day that we weren't at work up with all sorts of things. You know, a lot of them were good things, but you get to the end of the week and you're exhausted and you have to start over on Monday and do it all again. And um, I think that was a part of a little part of going through the depression and, you know, being a little bit more stuck to my couch where I would be like, I'm just going to lay here and not do anything. (laughs) But I've adopted that a little bit where I'm like, you know what? I could do a little laundry right now, but nobody really needs anything. I Mm -hmm. could do, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever you have on your to-do list. But I'm like, I'm just going to sit on the couch and read a little bit. And I just let myself do that now. And I did was not doing those kinds of things before. Why is that so hard for us? I don't know. I used that to feel is, really guilty if I wasn't yes. doing something. I even told my husband, uh, and this is just a prime example. This past weekend was Mother's Day weekend, right? Mm-hmm. And I usually, I do my best to clean our house on the weekends. That's mm-hmm. like one of the things on Saturdays. I spend a few hours, I clean. And usually like before I never used to do that. We're in COVID, we're in quarantine. So I can actually do this. Yeah. Um, I actually, I, you know, I would pay somebody to help clean the house because I would be like, oh, I'm going to book my schedule up with other things. And now I've kind of really enjoyed cleaning my own house and having mm-hmm. my own little time in my house. And now I have my certain way that I clean it. 
And I didn't have a chance to clean it the week before. And so I told him, I was like, I'll clean it this week. And he was like, you are not <laughs> cleaning the house on Mother's Day weekend. I'm like, just not going to happen, Z. Sorry. And it was, you know, I, I just kind of sat around on, well, after I delivered Mother's Day gifts all day to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were a little busy in the morning. <laughs> and then I just got home and I was like, he's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, absolutely nothing. Zero. I just want to lay on the couch and be lazy. But I only was comfortable doing that on Mother's Day. Right. Like my own guilt and my own shame and my own like need to constantly be moving. Yes. Where do you think that comes from for, for us women? Like, I don't I, know. I, I don't feel like – I feel like I'm not the only one here. No. I mean <laughs> I, I think it's an American thing definitely. We always have to be do go, 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 do, 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 achieve, everything. Achieve, achieve. Yes. Should we all just move? Where should we move to? Where <laughs> I want to just- move to France. <laughs> <laughs> can we move to France, everyone? We'll slow down. Let's just take our entire community there for yes. a year. Let's do it. Let's just do a test study. Yeah. Um, let's, if let's your life's not improved after a year, you can come home. <laughs> <laughs> I think that quarantine has really made us all yes um, realize how much we were doing and yeah. what like how much even just talking to my nephew that's a twelve year old you know athletic superstar I'm like do you miss playing baseball or going to your practice and he's like nope I enjoy the break I'm like wow. even the twelve year olds are yes. tired. <laughs> He's like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> He's like, this has been awesome. I'm like, no, nope, wow. don't miss it at all. And he's like, I miss school. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> probably interacting with his friends. Yeah. And stuff. Probably. I mean, I remember those days going, I, there were times where my um, sports ske- schedules would overlap and I'd go from one practice yes. and then go to the next, eat dinner it's, at nine o'clock yeah. at night. I mean, it's insane. But I think that that's, yeah, I think that that's um, a lesson to us all right now. Yes. You know, and I think that it's been so nice to not have my calendar packed. Yeah. But at the same time, still be able to connect with so many people. I've connected with more people in the last two months than I think I have in a year. Oh, same here. Right? And it's, it's such a, I think it's been such a beautiful lesson for for all of us, I mean, I'm definitely ready for the world to open again. But yeah, but um, I think a lot of these things will continue. I oh, hope 100. Yeah, I, I 100. I think that a lot of people and businesses are seeing the increase in productivity, the mm-hmm. increase in their like just overall lifestyle, their health. I mean, my resting heart rate is like you. You're my whoop. You're on my mm-hmm. whoop team now. So you you have access to my to my heart rate, which is pretty funny, um, <laughs> but it's gone down on average by 10. Since I haven't 19. even paid attention to that on my whoop. I'm going to look at that when we're done. No, check out your, your resting heart rate. Mine has gone down over 10. Well, definitely in the last 10 days. Cause I haven't drank alcohol in 10 days. It's oh, okay. definitely. It's gone down about five since, <laughs> <laughs> since quarantine, it's about 10 total. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Check out your resting heart rate. It's pretty incredible to watch it just that grind of even just waking up, getting out of the house by a certain time, getting our kids to school yes. and then getting into the building for the first meeting that's going to go off. And, you know, like it's just yeah. this, you get into this, um, into the cycle 
that is hard to break and it's repetitive and it becomes your routine, yeah. but it's stressful. Yeah. And you can't, you don't have time to realize how stressed you are. No, because no, because you're, you're, on, to the, you're on to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's actually, I'm really, really excited and hoping to, that our gym is one of the things that can open pretty soon, but that's the one piece that I'm like, oh, and then I, ha- then I have to be somewhere yeah. At that 4.30. Like now if I work out at home, I can do the Zoom class at 5.30 or I can do it bef- my, my workout before or after or whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of not looking forward to that structured time again. But I'll take that as the one downside of <laughs> getting do to you know when your gym will be again. opening up? Well, do you know when you'll be opening it's up? It's supposed to be next Wednesday, the 18th, but we just we're supposed to hear there's going to be another announcement tonight from the governor at like 6 p.m. or something something like that. And the word on the, the word on the street is that it might be uh, June 1st now. Ooh, I know LA County just uh, pushed ours back to July. Oh, yep. oh no. But they opened the, the beaches uh, yesterday, mm, I want to say. Okay. So it's a, it's a trying time for us all. Yes. Yes. Trying time. We are like still seeing um, cases, uh, our numbers go up in our hospitals. So it's a reminder of me every day um, that what we're doing is the right thing. But it's still so hard. But it's nice out. Like, I wish we could like get a big I know, wish you could go outside. outside. <laughs> like, can someone drive some barbells somewhere? So I can yeah. That that day will come. That day will come. And patience is a virtue. Mm -hmm. We, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been very tough. And I think that people adapting and having to do something they're not used to and change their routine. I think the hardest part was it happened overnight. Yeah. And again, cancer happens overnight, right? So your whole life changes. So yeah, you guys are almost resilient. You know, all my community, they're like, we got this. Life changing (laughs) circumstance. Okay. Yeah. I'm a planner though. I like that plan. (laughs) I am too. You know, it's so funny to look at my calendar right now and things pop up. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to be on a plane right now. (laughs) TBT. That doesn't happen anymore. All right, so now I get to um, uh, I get to kind of get get some I get to close the good series out with some goodness here. So mm-hmm. now the question to close out this good series is: If you could talk to somebody that just received the words "you have breast cancer," mm-hmm. what would you tell her or him that is going to be good at the end? Ooh, I think I would tell them um, that their outlook on their life is going to improve because of everything that they're about to go through. Their lookout will improve. And they will sit on the couch more. Yeah. And they enjoy, <laughs> you, will enjoy, you will enjoy the couch. When you're just sitting on your couch because you can be on your yeah. couch. It and is okay. okay. And we will go to France. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we will be okay <laughs> in France. I have a friend right now that's from the States. She's actually from Chicago and she lives in France right now. Oh. She had just moved to France and she was going to be a yacht cleaner. She was going to like clean yachts. She just got her job 
and then she went into quarantine. So she's in quarantine in France right now. Um, and um, yes, it's that fun to follow her on Instagram. And so I'm like, oh, so awesome. you're in France. So you're I, her, I want her, her offline. I might need to <laughs> ask you her name. That's so cool. Yeah, she lives in um, off the islands or off okay. the, the coast. Um, I, I forget, but um, she, it's awesome following her. She's in oh. quarantine. She had a really bad like – she had, she had to get hospitalized for an, an infection she had, but she, oh. it's so funny. She's just like, we have toilet paper. We're good. Like, French didn't like that one. Yeah, you're a lot of toilet paper. <laughs> I'm fine. I have toilet paper. I'm in France. She's like, oh my God, I'm out of toilet paper. And she was like, don't worry. I'm in France. People don't just have all the toilet paper here. I'm just going to go to the store and get another four rolls. It's like, that's awesome. Can I join you in France? Sounds it's probably amazing. like colored too. Every time we go there, yeah. I think it's funny. Like we go, you know, show up at our apartment. Why is our toilet paper pink? Oh yeah, I forget they have colored toilet paper here. We're in France. It's the first sign you're in France. Better there. Be perfect for our girls. Here's some pink toilet paper. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, she is in Antibi. Antib. Ant- oh, Antib. Oh my gosh, what a great place to be. Yeah. Oh. Right. Quarantine in Antibes. No problem. I don't feel She's bad. Crushing, <laughs> like, no. I don't, yeah, she posted. I'm like, you know what? This isn't fair. Oh, no, it is not. <laughs> not fair at all. Is there any other goodness you want to share? Um, you know, I think I think just overall my, the, your, my outlook on life, and maybe it was because I turned 40 and you know, in, in that same year and everything like that. But I think the, the, the goodness of kind of having a different outlook on life is, is what I mostly take away from the, the capital G O O D part that's happened post-cancer. Um, and I think, uh, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why I've come out of it as, as okay, I guess, as I have is because I'm trying to, it's hard some days, but it's, um, it's like the, a mindset that you have to stay in. Well, I think that even just uh, starting to talk about therapy and that mental health and, um, you know, I just think that if you're listening out there and you've, you know, you're, you're struggling mentally, like I, I just, you know, just get the help that you need. And mm-hmm. I do think that therapy does work. I think it is helpful to talk to people if you're looking for that type of support in a support group. Um, I don't think that it will, you'll fulfill the need. I think that you can create some really great relationships and get some really good resources and information and maybe some feedback that is similar to, you know, somebody that's gone through an experience similar to you. Um, and I talked to one of our medical advisory board members about this and she said that she gets worried sometimes when people ask questions in the support group that really need to be asked to a professional mm. um, because, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're just we're just peers and we're here to share our experience. And some of these questions are heavy that come through and um, and we don't want to direct anybody into a place that is not safe for them or, you know, a lot of people ask about treatment options and I'm like, you know, oh, like, whoa, oh, we're not medical providers. Oh. Like here was, here's my experience and here's what happened to me. Um, and our group is so good about that of just giving that 
direct, this is my experience. Yeah. Um, but I think that when it comes to mental health, don't think that a support group is the ultimate answer. I think that it's a great guiding light um, right. and a great resource, but really do uh, talk to a professional or contact Barbell Shaboobs. Yeah. Um, we actually have a mental performance coach that does all of our intros and she's fantastic. Her name is Keisha and she will know if you, she can help navigate that conversation. So yes. that's it. That's all yeah. I got for you today. Yeah. I'm like kind of thinking about it. Like I've, I'm sure if I would have called the clinic that I was a part of, they might have been able to find someone better suited for me than I did, you know? Because when I called my, uh, the intake person, I just, you know, mentioned to them why I was seeking a therapist and then they tried to match me with the right person. But, you know, if you go through the oncology clinic, they probably would have better resources. I just thought of that now, 19 months later. But chemo brain. Resources with your 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 cancer team <laughs> tribe. Yeah, no, it's that's. I mean, I think that you're going through so much. Whether oh, like all your gosh, your yeah. mind is not there's not clarity there. You know, and that's well, okay because there's so many changes. Yeah, I mean, there's no. I don't have any clarity, and I'm just in quarantine. I don't know what's <laughs> happening day to day right now. I'm like, what? Oh, my son has a Zoom class right now with his teacher. I, I didn't know that. You know. Like, <laughs> When did that happen? <laughs> sure, it's one of those 40 emails I've gotten the last hour. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, from the education department. I have no idea what's happening. Over there. <laughs> like, my son's in first grade. He'll be okay, guys. <laughs> I'm just going to count to him. And I'm just going to talk to him. <laughs> and hopefully he'll get through this and come out good on the other side. Yes. <laughs> Gosh, can you count to 100? Let's try it. <laughs> good. You're good. You're fine. We're fine. We're going to be okay. <laughs> well, Wendy, thank you so much for coming back and inspiring us to do kind of a new series with a podcast to give women an opportunity to come back and and maybe talk about something um, to continue to help them heal or continue to help them give back to our community and shine a bright light on things that are going to be great, good, 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 good yeah. um, after something that's not so good. A breast cancer diagnosis is not fun. It's not good. It's not pretty. It's not pink. It's not, it's not any of that. It hurts. It sucks. It's, um, it's devastating. And so we want to shine a light on all the good that happens because there is good and mm -hmm. all bad. Um, and so thanks for being the first. Thanks for reaching out to us to get back on and to constantly feed our community with good stuff. You're um, welcome. I'm so happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here's to the good series. Yes. Cheers. Uh, <laughs> cheers to the good series. I can have a drink on May 31st. Okay. So I'll definitely cheers to that. <laughs> For everyone out there listening, if you want to get on a show and share more goodness happening after breast cancer, if there's something that you're dying to share with our community, please uh, send us a message at rad at barbellstraboobs.org. Thanks for listening in, tuning into the Behind the Brawl podcast. Wendy, thank you for your second appearance. I'm so proud of you. Um, I love all of all of the things that you're doing with our community right now. I'm so, so thankful. Uh, you've been a huge help to the organization, especially Aww. since the quarantine. So thank you so much for your support. You're welcome. And, um, and just keep being good. Cool. Will do. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap. <laughs>